This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo from our Grand Forks studios. We are grateful that you're tuning in wherever you happen to be in our um, ever-growing listening area here on Real Presence Radio. I want to remind you of our uh, wonderful website, realpresenceradio.com. All the great information available there with regard to updates on programming schedules. There have been a lot of uh, neat developments uh, in um, many of our, our markets with regard to the local programming that we provide. Also, some of the uh, great events that take place throughout our listening area are the fundraising banquets that happen within this window of time throughout the winter. And there are a couple of them just coming up within the next few days. In fact, today, for our listeners in the Aberdeen area, um, Redfield, Ellendale, Britain, you know, towns nearby there, there is a fundraising banquet for Real Presence Radio with Teresa Tamio live in the house there on Thursday, uh, today, Thursday Thursday the 17th and on Monday the 21st Bismarck is hosting a fundraising banquet with Dr. Ralph Martin. And why don't you give the December ones too because those are coming right up around Yes, the yes, because weeks, those so. are those are really close too. Thursday December 1st which would be 2 weeks from today, Dr. Ralph Martin will return to North Dakota. He will be in Minot and Steve Ray who has become very popular with the Holy Land pilgrimages that he leads um, will be in Rochester on Tuesday, December 6th. So you can find that information on our website, realpresenceradio.com. And looking forward for the Diocese of Fargo, um, February 6th is a Monday. Always have, it's like I always tell people, it's like a, it's one of the most powerful things you experience all year long. You have a thousand just active on fire Catholics in one place and it just it is such a powerful experience it's really a spiritual boost a beautiful Catholic reunion you might say for a lot of our for a lot of our folks who attend no matter where it happens to be so if you have been thinking about doing this go ahead and join us and as always we very much appreciate your stewardship and your prayerful support of this uh, apostolate of real presence radio Catholic radio in the Midwest so we have a guest with us who is uh, joining us from across the pond, actually. So hopefully everything works with our, our phone signal. We have Father Ezra Sullivan joining us. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Um, I was uh, looking around on the Internet, and I saw, I saw a picture of you, which I assume is a relatively recent picture. And I have to tell you, Father, if you, had, if you did not have a beard, I would think to myself, this guy isn't old enough to shave yet. So <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you must be, you must be uh, relatively uh, recently in the, uh, in the consecrated life. Uh, I've been a Dominican for 18 years, and <laughs> I've been a priest for 11 years. So, okay, so he's take, still younger than we are. Take that back, Father Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so tell us, Father, first of all, about um, uh, kind of tell us a little bit more about uh, your uh, background, your vocation journey, and um, what kind of work you are doing these days. Well, I uh, I, I was raised as a Protestant. And um, I grew up in California for five generations back. All the men in the direct line of my family were uh, Protestant ministers of some sort. So my father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and so on. 
I, um, I converted to the faith when uh, I was 18 in college, and, um, and then later on I became a Dominican, and now I teach in Rome at uh, the Dominican University called the Angelicum. Okay. So, Father, was your was your conversion an intellectual one? Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking that because of the the kind of the background you have here now. Boy, well, I wish I could say yes. Maybe that would make me sound more intellectual. <laughs> but um, I, I would say that uh, it was actually mostly the example of the saint. I remember in, in 1996 when Mother Teresa passed away, right around the time of Princess Diana. Do you remember that? Yes, very, mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. deeply, yes. And, and, um, and, and it struck me, the example of these two women, because you have Mother Teresa, and there she is as one who gave her entire life to Christ, and then you have Princess Diana, who was good, you know, she was helping people, and yet the differences couldn't be more, more great, where uh, Mother Teresa was there, and you know, not a beautiful woman, but she was the second most photographed woman of her day. And of course, the first was the princess. You know, and, and I was, and I was, yeah. At, at that moment, it was. I remember it was so riveting because I remember that thinking, you know, this is like God because Mother Teresa died first, and then Princess Diana, and and in a way, God hid Mother Teresa and her death by the media over, you know, with that Princess Diana. I was like. You know, and that's how she lived her life, you know, behind the scenes, yes. loving and caring, and all the, all the attention went to Princess Diana in a certain way. Yes, yes. So, so that intrigued me, and, uh, and I read more Lives of the Saints, and, um, and eventually I just came to the conclusion that if we were to follow Christ and become holy, I have to be a Catholic. There, there's just no other way. And how about the how about the venture then to the Dominicans? How did you how were you attracted there? Well, I, um, I I was going to college on the east coast of the United States near Washington D.C. and um, I had no idea, you know, what what a vocation was like or how you go about it. I remember going to my college uh, job placement office a couple of years after I had become Catholic, and um, and I said, well, I'd like an internship, and they said, well, and what, you know, who can we contact? And I said. Catholic priests. <laughs> <laughs> that would be enough so, to throw them a curveball, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, these are the days uh, just be, just as the Internet was getting going. And, um, and so they, they got up the Yellow Pages, and they called the vocation director of the local diocese. <laughs> He, he drove in, and um, he, he interviewed me, and I was thinking about it like an internship, you know, that one would do. If, I was thinking about law school also. And, um, and I said, well, uh, I, I, need, um, uh, I need a place to stay, and I need a car, and, and you know, a stipend for the summer. And, um, and this is before any of the scandals broke out. So he says, sure, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love these stories. I just, I just love how, how God works, and he, you know, he brings things together. So. Right, right. What, uh, what, what subjects are you uh, teaching there at uh, the Angelicum, Father? Well, I, um, uh, I, I teach moral theology and psychology at the Angelicum. Okay. So, so very briefly, I, I met the Dominicans after exploring the diocese and the, the Dominican charism of preaching and teaching really hit home. And I mean, it fit, I thought, with my, my sure. earlier life. So, so now I've been uh, here in Rome for eight years, 
And, um, and last year, I got the opportunity to give a, um, a retreat to priests up in Verona, Italy. And, and that was the source of a book that I recently wrote called Alter Christus. Mm-hmm. And, and which we, we would like to um, promote here today as well. The, um, so could you... Um, and, and I'm very, I, have, I have not read the book. I'm just introduced to it now because we're preparing for notes for, for today. But I have to say I'm very taken with it. At, at this point, do, do you do you have some kind of background besides giving retreats of formation of men into the priesthood, or where where does your interest in in helping priests and helping them be good priests where does that come from? Well, I would say first it comes from my own desire to be a good and holy priest, and sometimes people say that you write the book that you wish you could read, <laughs> and so. You know, when I was invited to to give this retreat, um, it came on the 10th anniversary of my priesthood, and and I saw it as a great gift from God to reflect on my ways where I needed to recenter my life on Him, to reaffirm my consecration as religious, and and hopefully to help my brother priests, whom I love so much, just seeing how um, we all need to grow to be more like Christ. Yes. And again, can you introduce us to, to the name of the book, and as we talk about it here more, where could people find that book if they were looking for it? So the book is called Alter Christus, Latin for Another Christ, and the subtitle is Priestly Holiness on Earth and in Eternity. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and you can find it on the Sophia website. You can also find it on Amazon. Okay, now there's a host of just very intriguing topics that that you deal with uh, in the content. W- would you like? To, could you just give us kind of a the, the 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 agenda or the outline of the overarching of the book and introduce us to your approach here? Yeah, essentially, what I realized is that um, the priesthood is about relationships, and so the first half of the book I try to talk about the priest in relation to God the Father, priest in relation to God the Son, Jesus Christ, and in relation to the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the priest in relation to Mary and the angels and the saints. And and those are going to be our primary relationships, and the way that we have relationships with our friends and our family are going to be in that context of these heavenly friendships. After that, then I try to deal with um, particular uh, issues that priests can think about in order to become more holy. So prayer and sin, preaching, and what will heaven be like for priests, and what will hell be like if priests don't repent of their grave sins. And we're going to be uh, digging into more of those. Uh, that's a great uh, great tease for um, some of the uh, additional topics that we're, going to be, that we're going to be looking at. And sophiainstitute.com um, is the uh, website for Sophia Institute Press. Also on Amazon, Alter Christus, Priestly Holiness on Earth and in Eternity by Father Ezra Sullivan, a Dominican and a professor at the Angelicum, the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome. He is uh, so good to join us here in this interview, and we'll talk about more of the details of this book and what he is hoping to accomplish for those who read it. So we'll be right back with you on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Press. Live. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The, the very day that uh, I was appointed as bishop, uh, I came over to the studio and, and uh, had an interview with you. And, and so that was my first introduction to the Real Presence. It's been, it's been part of my life as a bishop from the very beginning. And I felt, you know, from that very, very first time that uh, we talked uh, on the air, I, I felt like I already was being introduced to the faithful of our diocese and to this whole area, which, which is a great thing because, you know, one of the, the challenges for a new bishop, an old bishop, any bishop, is to um, have contact with his people and to be a part of their lives in some way. And Real Presence Radio, from the first day, has helped me to do that. I really feel like I have a way to to reach the lives of our Catholic faithful and others as well who just happen to be listening. And and that's a real blessing because in a diocese as large as ours, area-wise, it's it's hard to get around to every place. And um, I traveled all the parishes as much as I can, and and yet this is a way that I can reach people that otherwise perhaps I wouldn't be able to visit with. And they get a chance to hear what's on my mind, and and uh, through different events that I've participated in on the air, I've heard some of their questions too, which has been a lot of fun. So it's it really is a blessing to me. I I feel very fortunate that this this network is so alive and so vibrant in, in our diocese and really in this whole Northern Plains area. It's wonderful. During this year-end season of giving, Real Presence Radio wishes to extend a heartfelt thanks to all that have extended support this past year, including those that have contributed to the Real Presence Radio Permanent Endowment Fund. These funds remain permanent while the annual earnings are used to support operations. To learn more about an endowment gift, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement at 701-290-4503. Together, we are making a difference. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, from our Grand Forks studios. And uh, this uh, book that we are talking about, Alter Christus, Priestly holiness on earth and in eternity is really piquing our interest, but I think would have a, a wider range application for anybody who wants to reflect on uh, the great gift of priesthood in the church. Now, um, at the beginning, right before we came on air, you had alluded, Father, uh, we have Father Ezra Sullivan with us, you had alluded, Father Sullivan, to um, mentioning something uh, about North Dakota. Was there some uh, particular uh, tidbit that you wanted to, uh, to include in our, our visit here? today? Well, I'd like to say hi to my family in Mandan, and uh, hopefully they're listening. I'm not sure if they're uh, on, on the air right now, but um, but I used to visit there when I was a child, and so I have nice memories. Yeah, Mandan is a very beautiful location, the hills and everything there. Yes, indeed. Yep, the, the Bismarck-Mandan area. About a week ago, um, it, it, and for you in a Mediterranean climate, this will probably stand out all the more, they got about a foot and a half of snow, so we are definitely in winter mode in these parts. 
So, so Father, <laughs> I, well, we, go, go ahead. We still have lemons that are growing here in Italy. Oh, so, don't make know, us so jealous. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I was just bracing myself <laughs> for something like that. Well, well, Father, I'm chomping at the bit here. I can't wait to actually jump into the content. So, you know, we priests, we always take it on the chin that we're, we're horrible preachers and, and we don't do a good job of communi- communicating through our, our homilies or sermons or teachings. So you're going to give us, what, what are the, what, what are the, what's the key? What's the key for a priest to be a good preacher? What, what, what would help us out here? Okay, the, the, the absolute fundamental is, I like to say that a homily should be like an arrow. It has a point and you stick to it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So so so, so, so now, no me the, the, no meandering no uh yeah uh, <laughs> unfollowable tangents and <laughs> right right now I I do talk about four elements of good preaching and mm-hmm. um and these actually come from Aristotle so three come from Aristotle one comes from the Gospel and the three points are first he talks about what what he calls um, pathos which is the passion and so we want to raise people's feelings. And sometimes that's, that's where some priests start and stop, is, you know, they're trying to get people laughing or something like that, and that's not bad, but, but we also move on. So from pathos, the passion part, and sometimes, you know, we, we, when we're preaching, we do want to help people, for instance, to have different feelings, feeling maybe um, about their past. Maybe they have a feeling of repentance, or maybe they have a feeling of joy when you're describing the beauties of a certain element of the faith. But then another, another element, so passion, then there's what he calls ethos. And, and this is your character, that as soon as you walk to the Ambo, if, if, especially if it's a parish that people know you at, they're going to be judging you. And they're judging you based on what you've done. They're judging you based on how you look. That's just the way it is. And so we're, we just have to be aware as preachers that um, our own personality, our own character is going to influence how people receive what we say. Um, the third element is what we call logos, and, and this is really the central part, and this means to have some kind of intelligible point. I always like to say, actually make it simpler. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the little kids can reach them, and, um, and, and try to have a single thing that you want to teach in that homily, and that's going to really help the people. And the final element is what we call grace, the grace of preaching. We always have to pray to the Holy Spirit to enliven our preaching, and to make it filled with the Spirit of God so we can move people to love the faith and to practice it. Well, I I could say, Father, that my own parishioners would want you to come and instruct me on how to preach. So this this is this is very informative. I'm I'm not I'm not kidding. This is no. I you you probably in those four little points there you've probably done a better job than than my seminary uh, instruction on on how to preach. So yes, it encapsulates very, a vision very clearly. A couple other things that we want to ask about. I'm intrigued by this uh, uh, cliche that you refer to in your book of a buddy Jesus. Um, why we should never become a buddy Jesus. What do you have in mind when you say that? Well, there's a blasphemous movie that was made, I think, in, in 1999 or 2000, and um, they were making fun of the Catholic Church. And even back then, 2000, so 22 years ago, um, they in, in the movie, this cardinal from Boston makes a statue of Jesus where he's giving the thumbs up and he's kind of winking at you. And they called that the Buddy Jesus. And they said, this will be a Catholic wow. 
in order to excite people about the faith. And, um, and I realized that if, if this is a problem 20, 22 years ago, this remains with us, that there's often a temptation for us priests to be the buddy and, and not to be the full Christ. Christ loved his people, he walks with them, he's the shepherd, but he's not always the buddy, right? Because sometimes Christ has to say the truth that's uncomfortable to hear. Yeah, no, I I, I think mm-hmm. that that is very important. Like, kind of even the preaching part, we explained. Yeah, give room for people's emotions to kind of come in, but then you really do want to take them to to the right. meat, rather something. than to stay in a superficiality, things like now, that. Now, Father right. Gross and I were both were very nervous about this, but we were very intrigued and we want to <laughs> yeah. know. You're, so, you're you're channeling your inner Dante. Alighieri, okay, so here we I go. Here. You got these on <laughs> hell and heaven. So the thing is. What hell will be like for unrepentant and sinful priests, and what heaven will be like for holy priests. Okay, let us catch our breath, and then, okay, go ahead, Father, let us have it. What, what, what do you have here? <laughs> well, 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 fortunately, I, I, it doesn't have to come from my imagination. Um, St. Bridget of Sweden, she, she had visions of the afterlife, and St. Bridget actually described seeing a priest who was brought before the throne of Christ, and, and Christ said, what does your conscience tell you? And the priest said, my conscience condemns me, because I thought that I could sin and at the last minute repent. And, and so then the rest of his life, you know, the afterlife in hell, the priest had this pang where he was so close to Jesus on the altar, having the sacramental Christ in his hands, and now eternally separated from him. He had the mission to preach to the people, to bring them Christ, to be Christ, and yet now he is going to be separated from all those who became holier than he was. And so it's, it's, a, it's a deep kind of distancing from the ones that he should have loved and the ones he should have served, and instead he's sort of in the turmoil of his own regret and sadness. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the torment would lie in that uh, yearning and being, you know, just apart from it. K- kind of like um, yeah. the the rich man seeing Lazarus on the other side of the chasm, but not being able to yeah. to join him. Yeah, yeah. And so on the other side of the coin, um, uh, is is this also um, a vision from Saint Bridget or other um, uh, things that are um, instructing you in terms of looking at what heaven will be like for? Uh, holy and faithful priests. Well, in in this case, um, I got my inspiration from a, a Dominican artist named Fra Angelico. He's oh, he's a blessed. Yes. He was uh, beatified by John Paul II, and he has a beautiful painting of heaven. And one of them has a priest who he's he's it looks like he's running to toward his guardian angel, and and they're about to embrace. And I see this as. Um, we finally get to see our guardian angel, and, and it's as if he's saying, you've made it. You're finally home. And, and when the priest is there, he'll see all the people that he helped, all those holy parishioners who are so faithful and going to daily Mass and saying the rosary, and he'll finally see Christ face-to-face and the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and just the joy of having accomplished, even as an imperfect and unworthy servant, the, the will of God. He'll be just overflowing with joy and praying for all those people who he knew on earth, and now as a priest, he continues as an intercessor in heaven. 
I, I I love that image of the running towards. I often think of like a little boy running to his father too, or whatever that that eternal embrace, right? That, and and a complete yeah. trust, knowing that everything is okay powerful, and there's nothing powerful. to worry about. Well, how about Father? We take us out. We only have a few minutes left here, but I uh, and again, it's uh, again just the bullet points here about the book are so. I, I mean, I can't help myself. I'll probably have this thing purchased by the time the hour's out. But <laughs> the um, okay. How love is irreplaceable in a priest's life. So that's very kind of generic, and we'd agree with that statement, but I'm really curious what, what you're going to tell us here about that. Well, I would say that um, for priests, sometimes, you know, we, we try to be faithful, and we think about our duty, and i got to wake up, got to get to the, got to get to the parish, and, and then we have a list of things to do. And love is that activating force that, continues within us and helps us to wake up. It's that motivating force that gives us the energy to to do all those difficult things, to go to the hospital in the middle of the night, uh, to hear that that confession one more time, to um, to bring Christ to people in teaching. That um, I like to think of it as that fire that remains within us. And um, you know, just as just as the the car engine needs to have a, an explosion of fire in order for it to move forward, well, likewise, we need to have that love continually burning within us so that we can bring the love of Christ to others. Do you, do you have one practical expression of that that burning fire that you could tease us with? Well, I would say um, yes. So, so just saying continually, God. I love you. Help me to love my people. And this has to be the core of the priest's spirituality, to continually offer up his love to God and then to spread that love out onto the people that he's been called to serve. Beautiful. Yep. Simple but profound and definitely timeless uh, lessons. And there are many such lessons. We're sure both Father Leffer and I are very curious to be able to read uh, your work for ourselves. Again, that name, the name of that book is Alter Christus, Priestly Holiness on Earth and in Eternity. Father Ezra Sullivan, thank you so much for taking time uh, to visit with us and blessings to you and your ministry. And yeah, go enjoy your lemons and your lemonade. Yeah, the picking your citrus fruit right off the we're branches. We're going to have a snowball fight when we're done here. So. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. God bless you, Father. All right. So we have one more, uh, we, we have one more uh, segment interview coming up here in the second hour. And coming up next, Susan Windley-Doust will share her new book release and how it may be the answer Mary, many parishes have been searching for in terms of becoming more in an apostolic apostolic mode in sharing the faith and in evangelizing their communities. That's coming up right after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 